I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's our Match Day 3 recap podcast, and it's been another fantastic weekend of Spanish football action. I'm your host, Matt Clark, and I'm joined by Rory Barlow. We will also hear from Paco Pollitt, and he's coming up in part two. So stay tuned for plenty of thoughts from our favourite Valencian man. Uh, Rory, how are you this, this weekend? What what was your general thoughts been on a, another fantastic weekend of action? Yeah, pretty good. It was a very rousing Sunday night, I have to say. I think both of the, the final two games gave us a lot to talk about, a lot to enjoy, especially, and the Virial Hatafi game, I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to it at some point. It wasn't the most entertaining, but there were talking points from it. Absolutely, yeah. Probably added time at the end of the game is the most exciting that it got. But uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned, um, big wins for uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid in the end on Sunday night. So let's begin there then, in, in Cornellà, as Espanyol took on the champions. They, of course, beat them in this fixture last year. And they were holding their own quite well. They um, managed to get level at half-time. Hossolu scoring again against Real Madrid. Uh, he scored seven goals against them in the 21st century. Only four players have scored against Real Madrid more. Uh, Leo Messi among them, you will not be surprised to hear. Um, but yeah, Real Madrid uh, 1-1 at the break. And it looked like it was kind of meandering towards a draw. Um, but yeah, how, how did they win it in the end, Rory? And, and were you surprised? Well, of course, naturally, Karim Benzema came up with the goods in the sort of final few minutes. Rodrigo crossed to the back post, Benzema on the volley into the back of the net and then scored scored a free kick. There was obviously the incident at the end where Benj- Benjamin Lecomte was uh, sent off for booting Danny Ceballos' leg. Um, it's worth. It's not worth me trying to explain it. I think this is one of the ones you're just going to have to go and Go and see on YouTube because it doesn't make sense unless you see what's happening <laughs> to what he's done. And it doesn't really make sense what he's done either to get the red card. But Benzema then converting the free kick into Leandro Cabrera, who'd, who'd gone in the sticks because Espanyol had used all their subs. But but yeah, as I was saying, it was a rousing Sunday night. And this was one of the more fun performances I've seen against Real Madrid in some time. I don't, I don't think we've seen many sort of sides, certainly out with the top half that have gone 2-2, two two, gone head-to-head with Real Madrid, quite in the same way that Espanyol did. I was shocked and surprised, pleasantly though, about how high and how open they were with kind of 20, 30 minutes to go as 
you kind of expected the Real Madrid onslaught to come. But they did they did hold their own, as you say, and okay, they did concede at the end, but Real Madrid have done that to not just them, but many better teams who have been sat deep and, and the same things happened to them. And Espanyol, they were a little bit wasteful, I think, as you were saying towards the end, but credit to Diego Martinez. This was the first sign of the kind of improvement, the the coming together and the the bonding and moulding of a squad that we've seen from Espanyol this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the first couple of weeks were not too encouraging for Espanyol fans. We heard from Roman on the last podcast about the, the mood being a little bit flat after expecting a little bit more from, from the arrival of the promising coach. But uh, as you say, this, this performance was a lot more high octane, a lot more energy, a lot more pressing, particularly uh, Vinicius de Souza in the midfield. Really impressive show from him. Um, and yeah, they, they pushed Real Madrid all the way and made Madrid really dig deep to, to get the three points. Just on, on Real Madrid again, Rory, uh, what about uh, Chiuameni's performance? Um, obviously, Casemiro played for Manchester United, made his debut this weekend too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Real Madrid obviously moving on. Uh, Chiuameni once again impressing, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very good. He got his first assist, a lovely ball into Vinicius. And I think the interesting thing was that we saw Tony Kroos dropping into the hole a lot more, especially when Real Madrid had the ball to kind of start play. And Chouamini playing sort of higher up. And I think it is very interesting. I think we'll see kind of a good few experiments for Car- from Carlo Ancelotti in these kind of first few games, these first few months, especially the ones where they're not up against the biggest sides in the world, with all due respect to Espanyol. And Chouamini showed that he has the sort of chops and he has the ability to play those kind of cutting passes in the final third as well as sort of building up and and bringing play into that final third in a way that I don't think Eduardo Camavinga does. Eduardo Camavinga is very good at certain things but I don't think Carlo Ancelotti would trust him to come in and play the pivot role whereas I think Ancelotti maybe would trust that well he will trust uh, Chouamini with that role. I think we'll see a lot more alternating between Tony Kroos and Chouamene because I think as much as Kroos maybe doesn't want to do it, Ancelotti likes the security on the ball that Kroos gives them as that first pass out. And especially when the back line, we saw Alaba left back today, especially when the back line's maybe going through a period of change. I don't know if we'll see Ferland Mendy back and Rudiger back out, but yeah, I think Ancelotti likes the fact that Kroos can be that first kind of receiver. And uh, before before you move me on, just Vinicius, he's insane. He's so good. And I can't believe that I'm singing his praises on this podcast because two years ago, you, you would not have got that out of me. But he really took the fight to Espanyol. And although it's Benzema who comes up with a big moment at the end, he was the one leading the charge for Real Madrid. And for maybe the first time, we can say that he was the danger man above Benzema in this match. And it, it was incredible to watch him sort of going at Espanyol's defence today. But yeah, lots of uh, card shuffling from Carlo. Uh, that midfield just looks so, so many options there. Versatility, uh, athleticism, skill, quality, control. They've, they've got all bases covered, haven't they? Even without Casemiro. So encouraging signs for the champions then. They make it three from three away from home, of course. Um, the other, the next weekend they'll face a team who've also got 100% of victories, and that is Real Betis. They beat Osasuna on Friday night, and once again it was El Panda Borja Iglesias with the winner. And if you haven't seen that goal, check that out because it's a thumping finish. So yeah, Betis marching on again, managed to register a few of their players now, so looking good for them, and they'll test themselves with a lot of confidence against the champions next week. 
Yeah, it was a real thunder blaster from uh, Borja Iglesias, wasn't it? It was, again, another show of Real Betis under Manuel Pellegrini having that edge to them that gets them through matches that perhaps in the past they still had the talent, they still had the technical ability, but didn't have that sort of winning mentality that Pellegrini's really installed and that calmness to deal with the fact that they had someone sent off, they had Pizzella sent off within the last kind of 15 minutes, I think it was, and they still sort of managed to see the game out. They were pretty calm. Osasuna didn't really cause them too many issues. And that's a, a confident team they were playing against. They had Kike Garcia sort of up top. I mean, Jimmy Avila was on earlier in the game. They're, Osasuna, I don't think they're one of, sort of the most... They're not going to move you around as much as other attacks in, Osas, in La Liga, maybe. But they do have options now. They're not sort of a one-dimensional attack as, as much as they were previously, in my view. And Betis coped with it very well, despite going down to 10 men. And uh, yeah, just another sort of feather in Pellegrini's cap who joined the uh, black t-shirt gang in, in terms of her sartorial greatness. And, and he pulled it off exquisitely, I must say. Yeah, I mean, we can't speak enough about uh, Pellegrini's wardrobe. I think we need another podcast for that alone. But uh, <laughs> yes, looking very suave and stylish as always. So, of course, the two old rockers, isn't it? Pellegrini and Angelotti, the two coaches with 100% victories so far in the league. Over to Camp Nou then, and Barcelona looking fluid and fearsome once again. They hit four in back-to-back matches. Uh, Pedri on the score sheet again. He became the youngest Barcelona fielder to reach 10 goals for the club. Lewandowski again, very impressive. Rafinha, Dembele, Rory. It was a, it, The opposition was perhaps uh, kind in terms of quality that they could offer, but... Barcelona looking good, aren't they? Yeah, I think this was the most promising display of the three. I think although they showed things against Rayo that were good, they showed things against La Real, particularly in that last 15 minutes. This performance was rounded. The pressure was very good. They, Although Valladolid, they struggled to get out partly because of that quality gap, as you say, and they didn't have a player like Isi Palazón or Miguel Marino to, to break out of that pressure. But... Barca's pressure was very good. They were on top of them, harrying, hunting in packs. And I think that, as much as anything, will be encouraging because they controlled this game more or less from start to finish. There was one or two hiccups. But Barcelona looked very confident and, and very... There, there was a lot of magic and freedom to their play, I think, today. I mean, they scored four goals and they probably could have scored eight. They, they, they played with a lot of sort of verve and, and they were vivacious in the way that they attacked via Delete. And that's a lot of these. Um, so moving on. Um, yeah, I think this was a promising performance. It's more of what Xavi wants to see. But as you say, it does kind of have to come with that caveat of not only Valladolid, but Valladolid missing probably their two most key attackers in Gonzalo Plata and Sean Weissman. Mm, yeah, he's still missing, isn't he? Just quickly then, on the, on the defence issue, Jules Koundé making his debut today at right-back. Uh, Araujo and Eric Garcia were the centre-back pairing. Who would you start at centre-back for Barca, long-term? Long-term, you have to look at Araujo and Koundé as not only the best defenders, but I think the ones that have the most projection to be sort of top world-class defenders. But fair play to Eric Garcia, because he was probably the best of the three today. He was absolutely fantastic, stepped in his sort of ball control. And I think particularly against low blocks, against teams that are going to come in sitting at camp now, him and Christensen will see a lot more game time than perhaps we suspected because they do have that ability to drive, to break lines, especially Eric Garcia. He he was really one of his best performances, I have to say, today. 
Mm. Yeah, good day at the office for Xavi's side. Um, a couple more games to cover in part one. Uh, Rayo against Mallorca. Rayo, of course, had a fantastic start to the season uh, without conceding in Catalonia. Uh, four points from Camp Nou and uh, Cornellà. But uh, they, they're really struggling at home. Another defeat, this time 2-0 to Mallorca. They have won at home since December. Yes, last December. And now Mallorca have four away games without conceding a goal, which is their best record in the top flight. Uh, Vedat Mariki, absolutely crucial, isn't he? And, I mean, yeah, this is an important win for Mallorca, isn't it? Absolutely. And it was very much an Aguirre masterclass. The sort of performance that he he will have been absolutely buzzing on that flight home. He'll have had the mezcal out. He would have been sipping it with so much satisfaction because they were absolutely rock solid at the back. They didn't really give Rayo an inch in the second half. I think Rayo had a bit more joy in the first half, but once they sort of got themselves ahead, they just managed the game absolutely perfectly. And Verat Moriki found space in the box, very clever movement. I think he, I, I knew how crucial he was to Mallorca's attack, but I think maybe I'll be surprised about just how many goals he's going to get. He looked good. Kanjin Lee is the perfect sort of link man, not quite being a 10, but also not quite being a winger. It allows a bit of freedom for them. And yeah, Mallorca just very, very good, very solid at the back. And Rayo, they really missed Isi Palazón. And I think without him, a lot of the creative burden fell onto Oscar Trejo. And he absolutely rinsed Rodrigo Batagula <laughs> during the first half several times. It was really quite impressive to, to watch him, Meg him, go round him, Can drop you? him. It was, it was all over the place. But when they got to the edge of the box, Falcao was almost anonymous the whole game. Mm. Yeah, a bit of a concern that for Raya for sure. And yeah, Mallorca, good in both boxes. And that's what you need to be when you want to stay in the top division. Uh, elsewhere then, we had uh, Girona taking on Celta. It was a quick turnaround for the Catalan side. They played Monday night, of course, and then again on Friday. But uh, a few of us were doubting whether Iago Aspas could still carry Celta this season after all these years. Turns out he's still still pretty much going to do that job, isn't he? Pretty much, yeah. He's, he's like Pythagoras. I mean, the, the perfect <laughs> angles that he can find to make sure that ball goes in off the post. He's done it, what, twice in two weeks now. And... It's hard to overstate. I, I don't think we've ever seen a club that isn't finishing in the top half have a player that good and that crucial to them every single week. I, I can't recall anyone else who's performed that consistently and to such a high level as Iago Aspas does. And yeah, we, perhaps you want to push me for more analysis, but the main analysis just has to be Iago Aspas because he is the difference. Pythagoras Aspas, there you go. <laughs> Aspas' new nickname. Uh, he, he, he does have some more company this year, doesn't he, though, with, with the likes of Paciencia. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's still very much the Argo show at Balaidos uh, this season. Uh, back to one of the biggest stories of the week, it must be said. Sevilla. I mean, one point from nine. It's their worst start for 41 years in the top flight. They were ahead at Almeria in what some were calling a must-win game for Julian Lopetegui. But... They, they suffered defeat in the end. Once again, uh, Laji Ramazani and Umar Sadiq with the goals for Almeria. What's your take on the situation? There's a lot of burning debris coming out of this defeat, I have to say, Matt. I mean, you had, uh, you're going to come on to it, I'm sure, Monchi talking to the fans after the match, trying to cool cool things down. Yulen Opetegi came out after this match and accused his players of playing with a glass jaw in the second half, which is quite a... 
strong statement to make about your own squad. He said that they lacked the mentality, that they were thinking too much about the goal that they conceded when they came out in the second half. And and yeah, they did then go on and concede 10 minutes after the halftime break. And okay, Yulen, I understand that, but is your job not to construct, to build and to shape that mentality? Is it not your job to convince them not to be thinking about it? Yulin Lopetegui doesn't seem to have too many answers. We're seeing a similar Sofia to the one we saw last season. Mm. Well, Sunday was his birthday. I'm not sure it was one of the happier ones he's ever had. Um, but yeah, personally, I think I think he's a great coach. But like you say, I think now, yeah, it's it's clear that things are kind of broken and perhaps beyond repair. And I think he'll probably be gone by the World Cup either way. Thanks for your thoughts there, Rory. Now let's get the view from our man in Seville. We uh, caught up with Gregor Chappell a little earlier and I started off by asking him for his assessment of Sevilla's very stuttering start. Well, um, realistically, it's not been the best start for Sevilla. It's been a nightmare start, to be honest. Um, from what I can see, patience is starting to wear thin um, with a lot of supporters, really. After some, really, it's been a combination of poor run of results at the end of last season, and now they've started this campaign with another three pretty poor results against teams, realistically, that a team like Sevilla should be expected to take points off of, kind of, mid-table sides, teams who have just been promoted, so the fans aren't happy. But, you know, in, in um, Lopetegui's defence, I'd say... Obviously losing Jules Koundé and Diego Carlos, one of the best centre-half partnerships in Europe is always going to affect any side. I mean, I've always said it, Sevilla's main strength in the last few years has been how strong they've been defensively, and those two were obviously a massive part of that. Um, they haven't really been, in my opinion, adequately replaced, and it's affecting the side quite a lot, because really, realistically, they never had an awful lot going forward but they would always depend quite strongly on their defensive strengths and they don't really have that at the moment. And, you know, we saw the video from Monchi um, after the, the Almeria game, trying to urge the fans to get behind the team. And, you know, you can see the fans buying into that because he's such an iconic figure at the club and he's been there for so long and he's brought so much success to the club. But realistically for me, he has to get the checkbook out over the next few days before the transfer window shuts. Especially, well, I'd say in defence and going forward, I think they're a wee bit too reliant on in the Syrian Rafamir, who, for me again, probably aren't quite up to the the level they really want to be competing where they want to be competing. You know, in the top four, realistically, in Spain is where Sevilla should be. And probably, again, though, after such a long time, teams have probably figured out Lopetegui a little bit. And I'm not calling for his head, but perhaps a little kind of refresh might benefit the team. You've seen it with other sides, you know, when a new manager comes in, he brings in fresh ideas, he brings in his own players. Obviously now it's too late for that with the transfer window coming, but, you know, that would be an easy fix. I'd say he's done well at the club, I'd give him a little bit more time. Um, they do have some tough games against Barcelona coming up, Manchester City, Villarreal away, Espanyol away. Atletico Madrid at home as well so if he manages to navigate that run of games and pull something out of this side then I think we'll see Lopetegui sticking around but if he doesn't 
then there will be a lot of fans calling for his head and Monchi's going to have a really hard decision in his hands. Thanks for that, Gregor. Yeah, very, very tough few weeks ahead for Lopetegui and Sevilla. We'll see if he can make it through or whether Monchi, as you say, has that tough decision to make. Well, that's all we have time for for part one, but join us in a few moments for part two, where we'll hear from Paco Pollitt on that fantastic clash at Mestalla between Valencia and Atleti, and we'll round up the remainder of the games from this weekend, so stay tuned. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's part two of our Match Day 3 recap. I'm now joined by Paco Pollitt, live from outside Mestalla. He's just seen Valencia nil, Atleti 1. Paco, not quite the result you were hoping for, but a really intriguing game to watch, no? Yeah, not really. Hi, Matt. Uh, hi, everyone. But yeah, I think it was a bit unfair. Uh, a bit on the unfair side for, for Valencia, I believe that. Gattuso's men did quite a lot more to earn something much more positive than uh, that uh, goal against them and, and no points from this game. But ultimately, I think it's, it was a, a, a fixture driven by the, the subs in the second half. I believe that Atletico's depth of, of squad was, was ultimately what, what toppled the game uh, in their favour. Uh, Prisman was the, was the one in charge of scoring. Very lucky, by the way, uh, because of that, that rebound, that that confused Mamad Basvili, who had been huge uh, to that point. But but yeah, Griezmann was the one who scored the the, the goal, which ultimately gave Atletico three points. But uh, again, I believe that that Valencia deserved quite a bit more. Uh, I think that the first half was was great. I got two men. I think they did everything that they needed to do, including scoring a, 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 an incredible goal by Luis Musa, which was disallowed by VAR. And I think it was quite a controversial call. Play was a very, very long play. Uh, Yakavi seemed to uh, commit a foul uh, on an Atletico player, and you know, play continued, and Dion stopped the ball, and and you know, delivered an amazing strike, mid-range strike, which isn't, by the way, his, his best actually, but it was an amazing goal. 
and unfortunately for Valencia, yeah, ultimately yeah, quite an eventful first half for VAR. There was that one that you just mentioned, disallowed goal for Yunus Musa, and then a red card for Thierry Correa, which was overturned by VAR and only a yellow in the end for a foul on Alvaro Morata, who appeared to be, you know, potentially in on goal if he could uh, get control of the ball. So a dramatic first half, as you say, Antoine Griezmann has two goals now off the bench in three sub appearances. It's quite clear that Aleti aren't going to start him, and we think we know the reason for that is because of this clause they'll have to pay Barca money for him. But but just on Valencia then, how impressed have you been with Gattuso and the way he's managed to get Valencia's style to change so quickly after after Borda last ball? You see, I think that uh, at this point, after three games, Valencia have picked up less points than they deserve. I think of all three matches they have done, enough merit to, to get out something positive from, from the games against Girona, they were the, be- the better team in the first half. In the second one, after uh, Eray Chomer was sent off for that red card, um, they were able to hold back Girona and deserve the, the three points. Against Athletic Club, it was a very tight game, very, very close. I think that uh, only a small amount of detail could uh, topple the game in favor of one or the other and ultimately went for, for Athletic Club. And against Atletico Madrid, again, I have to stress many, many times that they were the better team, especially in the first half. Overall, yes, you have to look the the stats. I believe in shots on target, uh, Atletico had like four clear chances. And there you have Mamar Dashvili once again with that uh, God mode activated. Uh, he seems to be on a much better uh, performance-wise uh, mode this season. Even though that last season, he was very, very impressive. So Valencia have uh, an amazing goalkeeper as Atletico has been the in the personal yeah, no. overall, the attrition has been able to turn around the more defensive play style by Gondolan this season. He's trying to, even though he doesn't actually have the tools, okay, he has players not at the same level of quality as, for example, Real Madrid or Barca or other sides, Villarreal, for example, who play from the back, you know, playing the ball from the defense. Uh, he's trying to do it regardless. And that obviously uh, forces to some extent mistakes at some point in some games. For example, today, I believe that uh, the goal, there was uh, uh, Hugo Guillamon losing the ball in the midfield and then the quick break from Atletico Madrid and Griezmann uh, with that effective shot scoring. But overall, I think that uh, the seeds have been planted on a different play style. And I think that the reinforcements coming in the last few days of the market, I believe we're going to talk about some of them in, in a few seconds, uh, especially Brian Hill as a winger, uh, Andrea Almeida in the midfield. I think he's going to be able to, you know, increase the quality of of the players, the the, the level of, of being able to move the ball around, and that is going to help that playstyle to thrive in the following days. Yeah, absolutely. Quite a bit of optimism then in the stands at Mestalla. A good turnout for this game, as you said, about forty three thousand in the ground yeah. tonight. Really good to see that. Um, as you touched on there, reinforcements. The the biggest name probably was announced just before kickoff, and he was there in the stadium tonight. Edinson Cavani finally coming to La Liga. How how much of a statement signing is this from Valencia, and and how how can he really take you to potentially the next level? Uh, you know, there's uh, the expression when when you often say that something is a game changer. In this case, this signing is a mood changer for for the fan base. I believe that uh, the level of hype and optimism after the the signing 
training of, of Cavani, even even in the, the earlier days when it was only, uh, you know, the tax ongoing and the negotiations taking place, even at that point, the fans were driving with, with uh, that the cheerfulness, the optimism that had been lacking in the last few seasons. And that's why I think that Cavani is going to be a, a huge signing for Valencia if he is fit. If he is fit, he's going to be, mm, you know, very important for Gattuso. Actually, the manager was crucial to to Cavani signing for Valencia because he has been calling him for the last three weeks. He has assured him that he's going to be very important in his in his uh, tactical play style, that he's going to play almost every single game as a starter. And that's what Cavani actually wants. Uh, ultimately, Valencia were the ones who uh, made the bid, the two-year contract. They weren't the ones offering more money, but they are offering uh, uh, the kind of continuity and um, protagonism, you know, being in the spotlight. And, and that was what Cavani wants after two years. The first one was quite good, but the second one, many injuries. He didn't get that many chances at the pitch with, with Manchester United. Wanted to play, play many games, especially for the World Cup, because he wants to make a statement in that World Cup with the Uruguayan national team. Yeah, a big, big few months ahead for him and for Valencia. If they can get a tune out of him, it could be, like you said on Twitter, very fun to watch for the fans at Mestalla. Uh, just before we let you go, Paco, let's just touch on a couple of the other teams from the Valencia community. We had Edge taking on Real Sociedad. They fell to a narrow 1-0 defeat in uh, La Real's first game without Alexander Izak. Uh, some impressive showings there from Martin Zubimendi, Bryce Mendez. Um, from an Elche perspective, do you think there's any cause for concern or do you think they've shown enough in the early weeks to, to be quite confident? Well, I believe that um, at this point, with the market closing in only in the last couple of days, I think there has been a few rumours thrilling about um, Lucas Boyer, who is one of the potential players possibly living in the last few days. Let's see what happens over there. But yeah, overall, I think Elche haven't reinforced uh, as they needed this summer. Whereas for other sides fighting for, you know, uh, remaining in La Liga, they have been able to uh, strengthen a bit their their respective squads. Um, they didn't do that bad against Real Sociedad. And actually, I think that uh, that Panenka penalty missed by, by Real Sociedad was like a, a turning point. At that point, it seemed that uh, Real Sociedad were in for a crushing of Elche. And suddenly, the game became more balanced, even though they were able to keep uh, Elche at bay and... and sustain that one nil advantage till the end of the game. Overall, they have plenty of uh, time to improve, but I believe that in the last few days of market, they should strengthen the squad, especially at the back. Try to not use Mojica uh, to other bigger sides, such as Villarreal, for example, who are very interested in him, and other teams such as, uh, you know, Premier League teams, other La Liga teams. I think that they have to keep what they have and try to bring in uh, another defender and uh, another player in front, because Elche fighting to Canet for, for remaining, they will need goals because they are not going to have those many chances this season. Yeah, true. And uh, lastly, then, Villarreal 0 0 at the Coliseum Alfonso Perez. They missed the chance to go back top of La Liga with that 0 0 draw, but they've still remained unbeaten in terms of uh, a clean sheets, all three clean sheets so far this season. So a good start for Emery's men. Yeah, I remember that Catafa uh, were in trouble because ultimately they have been uh, making some of the best signings this season. Uh, this summer in all of their lines. Uh, but yeah, trying to make them gel didn't really work in the first couple of games. And they did finally in, in this game against Villarreal. I think that possibly they are in, in the same level as Barca, as some of the, the teams which have the best pacing at this point. Play quicker, faster. They have that, that level of uh, commitment to their play style. And they know definitely 100% what they have to do. And uh, Hedafa were able to keep them at bay. So I think that 
Overall, Villarreal did their homework earlier this week with that uh, conference qualifying, and they are going to have uh, quite a bit of challenges. Even trying to juggle everything, La Liga, uh, Conference League, European competitions. So, yeah, I think that's every step of, of what is going to, to pay, uh, ultimately, and try to give that protagonism to the 18-20 player squad instead of having like a definite starting lineup. They have uh, Gerard Moreno, many players in front. They are going to be able to score. So eventually they will be able to fight for the top four spots, definitely. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Paco. I'll let you uh, get home to bed because it's quite late in Spain now. So enjoy your tapas if you're having that and uh, have a good night. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, mate. The final game we haven't yet mentioned was also played on Monday. It was at the Nuevo Mirandia and it was between Cadiz and Athletic Club. And Estova Verde's return to Athletic still going very strong. They won 4-0 away in Cadiz. Um, a brace for Gorka Guruzeta off the bench. It was also an eventful game for Iñaki Williams. He scored, missed the penalty and then got injured. So his incredible run of 236 consecutive La Liga games could be coming to an end. We really hope that he's not uh, too injured there. We hope he's back in time for their next game. But uh, yeah, Athletic looking very strong. Uh, they maybe found a finisher too in Guruzeta. A really impressive performance from him. Confident, um, taking on the chances and, and yeah, a real kind of authoritative statement from him. That could be a real boost for Athletic in their, in their chase for Europe. As for Cadiz, very concerning boos. Uh, the fans clearly not happy with their start to the season. Three defeats on the bounce without a single goal. So problems there for Sergio. Well, that's all we have time for in this edition of La Liga Lowdown. We'll be back for the Match Day 4 preview podcast. In the meantime, be sure to check us out at La Liga Lowdown and subscribe to our newsletter at laligalowdown.substack.com. My thanks go to Rory, to Paco, to Gregor and to all of you for listening. And we'll see you soon. Adios. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.